want to pause real quick. I'm not even going to really preach or teach tonight. Um, I just want to quickly encourage you and share a word of scripture. Um, I'm just so grateful for what God has done. Um, in, in, in six years of TLC, we've planted so many churches. I've lost count of how many churches have been plant, planted through this ministry. Um, God has just done so many incredible things. He's moved mountains that we thought would not be moved. Uh, he's come on, uh, come just in the nick of time, and he's really rescued us from the hands of the fowler. Um, he's just been so awesome. Uh, I look at what God is doing at TLC today, and sometimes, it, like, I, I can't even believe that we're six years old. Uh, because I remember I was in Pastor Quay. Uh, yeah, you can just bring it down a little bit for me, please. I was, uh, we were, I was with Pastor Quick when I remember one day after I had, came, I had come home from uh, playing a concert and, um, you know, we had left the former church that we were at and uh, my father was there for 25 years and he felt the call of God to leave and, and uh, to establish a church that we now know as Transforming Life Center. And I remember one day I just came back, I was playing a concert in Montreal and uh, I came back from the concert and the next morning, um, it was the first morning that we had no church to go to. We didn't have a church to go to, so we said, you know what, maybe we're going to visit some churches, or we didn't know what we were going to do. Um, and as we were there, all of a sudden, we just hear the doorbell start ringing. And we're like, what's going on? And one by one, people start just coming into my home. Sunday morning, I'm in my pajamas, my dad's in his pajamas, my mom's like, Ralph, you're a pastor, you have to go get a sermon, get ready to preach. And my dad is telling us to grab chairs from our rooms and bring them downstairs, and we had some electric drum set in the corner, a bass guitar, and we're like, what are we going to do? So we just set up chairs in our basement, and 29 people showed up at our first service, and it started in the basement of the current house that I live in. And that is how all of what you see here today started from that basement of 29 people. And so, Papa, I know you're watching somewhere. I honor you and I honor the grace upon your life. Thank you for giving this opportunity. We thank you because we're forever connected to the grace, to the oil, and we salute you for being obedient because that morning you could have said no, but you said yes. And we thank you so much, Dad, for everything that you do. We honor the grace upon your life. We thank you so much, him and both mom. Come on, give them a good hand. Dr. Ralph, the general overseers. I'll just be out of here in about 15 minutes of your time. I I was I just sharing my testimony today. I just feel led to share a bit from my life. I don't really intend on preaching. And, you know, we'll do that next coming weeks, continue our summer night series. Tonight we're pausing to thank God for everything he's done. He's been so faithful to us. I mean, just hearing those testimonies, I'm just, I'm shocked at what God can do with a simple old boy like me. I'm, I'm nothing. I'm just available in Potter's hands. And God has just found us fit. But I don't know what reason, but we're here. And um, I remember that morning we stood and we started praise and worship and I just felt such freedom. And Pastor Quakes, you were there. Just so much liberty in the room. And I'm sharing how Campus Rush started. Um, and there was so much liberty in the room. And I said, God, what are you doing? And the funny thing about it, Apostle, is that even though I was so happy and everything was going right, I just really didn't know what would come out of this ministry. I didn't know, yeah, yeah, you were, you were blessed in my situation. I need you back in the keys, my man. Clap for this man of God. If he keeps playing for me, I just have to tie him and just keep <laughs> the way he's flowing with me. We thank God. Um, and uh, I remember just total liberty in the room, but yet still, I didn't really know what would come out of it. I was like, all right, cool, we're starting this church, but God, um, what is your vision for this? We're 29 people. Uh, we left a church of 1,000 people. We're 29. So, God, what do we do from now? 
And, and I just want to encourage somebody that the best things in life, if not the best things, the most tested things start from small. The most tested things start from small. So you know what? Don't despise the days of small beginnings because God needs those days for you to value so that when God blows you up, you appreciate what God did when you were nothing. Because if you have everything from the top, you don't value the top. The top to you will be the bottom to you. But if you have a bottom to start from, then you enjoy where God is going to bring you to. That's a good word right there. You can give God praise for that. Thank God so much for that, um, Apostle. Uh, it wasn't easy, but God has been faithful. God has been there for us. He's been amazing. Um, fast forward. I'm not going to get too much into my testimony. I have too much time tonight, but... Fast forward, um, growing up, starting this ministry, um, there were ups, there were downs, there were times where I wanted to throw in the towel and I was like, Dad, you know what? Um, this thing is good and all, but what is actually going to come of it? I'm with you, but, you know, there's a lot of opposition. What are we going to do? And through it all, I thank God so much for my brother, Prophet, who stood by us. And uh, in that process, he even served as an older brother to me. And he encouraged me when I was, I didn't have enough faith to kind of keep going on. And sometimes in life you need people like that uh, who will just encourage you uh, when you're the one that's used to encouraging people. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You're acting like we're not in church right now. Um, sometimes you need somebody that would encourage you. Um, when you think that all faith is gone, all faith and all hope is lost, you need somebody who you can count on, who could be your confidant uh, to just be with you. So I thank you so much, Prof, for that. Um, and God has just really been faithful. Uh, I watched my life and... I watched how God would take me through a process of breaking. And I know I'm jumping all over the place, but I'm giving you a few nuggets that I want you to take with you. Wherever God is taking you to, he must break you first. I got one amen in this whole place. I got, God bless you, mama, for that amen. <laughs> Nobody likes the breaking process because it hurts. But yet, it's the scars you need to show forth your match of honor. Wherever God is taking you to, please enjoy the breaking process. Be broken before you get there. Don't skip the breaking process. Enjoy the breaking process. It won't be pretty, it will be rough, it will be grueling. Sometimes you won't know why you're going through stuff, but sometimes God will bring you through stuff. It's all for a process, it's all for a purpose. I remember my story and I remember how we were, we started the first service, we were, was it how many people? 300, 200, 100, 400? Over 200 people in the first service, which was the week afterwards, from 29 to 200. I didn't know who was there to spectate. I didn't know who was there uh, as enemies. I didn't know who was there for us or who was against us. But all I knew is that, listen, if dad has called to this thing, I'm going to follow him. Sometimes all you need is a word. And I stuck by that word. And I said, dad, if this is what you're doing, then I'm, I'm behind you. I might have doubts, but my, my faith overrules my doubt. My faith overrules my fear. I'm going to go into this thing. We started with 200 people, over 200 people, and God began to flourish us. And we started in Travel Lodge Hotel in the basement. Travel Lodge Hotel, a cave. Some people were with us in the cave. If you were in the cave, make some noise. I don't know. I don't think there's that many people. Oh, there's a few people. There's a few people. A few people that had the cave experience. Cave experience. You learn a lot in the cave. I remember we used to carry instruments. Man. And it's because the reason why I'm explaining this is because now when people see the glory, they don't know there's a story. 
Like, this is why I'm doing what I'm doing. They'll be like, oh my gosh, like, you just dress as nice, and I drive a nice car, and this, 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 this. But you don't know the labor that has gone through just even to have the courage to stand up here every Sunday, or rather every Thursday, just to even proclaim that Jesus is good. That takes courage on a liberal university to proclaim and that there will be an outbreak of revival and the outbreak of the God's spirit on a campus. Do you know what type of courage that takes even for you to be sitting here today to receive a message from a vessel who is broken? And so I remember we used to carry instruments here. We used to carry the keyboard. I used to carry the bass. I was a, I'm a bass player. And we used to carry my bass cabinet. Man, I'm pretty convinced that's where I got. I started getting back problems carrying that. Carrying the bass amp, the thing is huge. Carrying that big subwoofer on my back and carrying it, setting up the instruments every day, going back, back and forth, setting up, going back. You know, people leaving us. I remember one time I talked to one of my friends um, um, that I had known for a long time and, and I told her and I was talking to her and she said, listen, don't kid yourself, Kofi. We're not friends and you know that. And I said, listen, we've been friends for over like 17 years. She said, don't kid yourself. You know we're not friends. And you're losing friends in the process, but then you still have to help push dad's vision, but then you're carrying instruments and people are looking at you and is the thing going to succeed? Is it not going to succeed? You don't know what's going on, but you're just there because of a word. My God. Can I open up? I feel like I have, there's some resistance in the room. Can I open up? In my own church, can I open up? I'm going to open up. Somebody say, talk to me, pastor. This is going to be a real session. Are you ready for this? It's going to be very, very real. Because um, I believe someone needs to hear this word tonight. Um, so we used to carry instruments. and uh, Through all that process and all that precious pastor, I never leaned to the world, but the world was calling me. And so we picked up the phone call. We began a conversation. And um, the enemy thought that he had me in the corner because there's a trajectory and there's a commonality of pastor's children. Does anybody know the commonality? Is that, are they good? They're what? Bad. I don't know what, I don't know what it is, but pastor's children are, almost every pastor's child I know is, went through something, is in something, about to get out of something, is always in trouble or going something, but not in this house, not in this place because your children are protected because you are protected because you are a covenant child and that lifestyle I began to flirt with and one thing or another I landed up on this university's campus I love it, Carleton University I wasn't meant to come here I was meant to go to Queens University or McGill but the way that God works God wanted me here I don't know why God wanted me here Apostle first year was hard because you're planning a church with your father. You're in like the second year of the ministry. Uh, things are kind of going well. Things are going well. You're still meeting in the basement of a hotel. Things are going well, but you still want to live that type of life. That compromise is always there. You want to flirt with that compromise because it's there. Am I being clear tonight? Anybody been there with me? You have a walk with God, but you want to compromise because sometimes the endurement of the walk with God is just too much to bear. That in a time like that, to devote myself fully, I break myself. 
deep stuff tonight. I'm talking deep stuff. I'm, <laughs> and so, um, God took me through a process. I don't call it my time in the world. No. I don't call it a time where I was slipping. No. I call it a process. God took me through a process of breaking. God took me through a process where he would show me the depths of what sin looks like on a man. God took me through the process where you get to the point, I don't know if you've ever been there, where you look at yourself and you say, God, how am I addicted to something? God gets you to the point where you look at yourself and God is taking you through that process. And I always say it, not to just show people who you are, but to reveal you to you. God takes you through a process to reveal you to yourself so that you can see yourself at rock bottom at the worst you can be so that you can look at yourself and say I never want to be here again I don't know about you but I've had a year where I said I never want to see this year again but if not for the grace of God where would we be I looked at myself in my second year of university and we had a big opportunity um, you know, to play with Rick Ross and, and Pastor Ryan and myself when we used to do a whole bunch of stuff. And, you know, people want us to share more stories from, from back then. But in due time, the wound is still fresh. And, you know, uh, we, we used to do a whole bunch of stuff and we were in a singing group called The Best Man. We used to sing R&B. And uh, we used to sing a R&B cover band. And it was awesome. It was really, really great. It was a good time. We had a good time. <laughs> And it was all part of the process. Someone shout process. And um, we used to do a whole bunch of stuff through parties. And I was the president of the Ghana Institute Association. Shout out to, whoa, okay, shout out to Ghana. All right. <laughs> I don't think anybody, well, maybe some people were in the association when I was there. Um, okay, all right, cool, fine. You want to shout? Shout if you were in the association while I was the president of the association. What are some people? Uh, we had a good time, to say the least. <laughs> it was fun. Uh, but yet still, there was something missing. Um, to soothe my conscience, I said, if I can't go fully into this God thing, let me start some sort of fellowship on campus to just appease this prophecy, this covenant, this word that has been set upon me since I was a baby that would say that you will draw all men onto me. So I said, all right, um, I looked at my schedule and I said, the only place that I have time to fit a, a, a fellowship is Thursday night at 8.30. If you're in my fellowship, make some noise. We got some fellowship people. So we had a fellowship. I'm teaching you how this thing started because you need to know. Because if you don't know how it started, then you won't appreciate the glory then you won't know why we do some things that we do. You don't know why we deny ourselves from some things we deny ourselves from. We started the fellowship and pastor, honestly, I didn't know what I was saying. I wasn't making any type of sense. Toro believes I was making sense. She always says she was blessed by it. I had no idea what I was saying because I was in the, the process of, of living what it means to be a hypocrite. church eyes come on the pastor i thought he was holy yeah okay all right sick joke sick sick <laughs> you know and we, we lived 
this life of, of, of compromise. And it's one, I can be real in this place, it's one of the most toughest walks to walk. Because you know what is right, but you just can't stop doing bad. You know what's right, but why can't you stop? It's because the place that you're being fought is the place that God wants to elevate you to deliver. JC is here. Is she here? JC, you're here? She said, yeah. You're in the back? She's my friend from first year. We started first year here at the school together. Uh, some, some, ooh, some years back. <laughs> and not that long, but some time ago. And she said one thing. She said, Pastor Kofi, there was one word that changed my life during the fellowship season. And I believe that the fellowship season was a season of preparation for what this would become. She said that um, I said something, I said a word, and it was, why do you keep doing bad when you know what is right? Is something like that? Is that it? Exactly. She says, why do you keep doing wrong when you know what is right? I didn't know that I had said that. I was ministering to myself. Sometimes you have to become your own chiseler and break your own self. Sometimes you can minister while you're addicted to something. But God doesn't know that as you keep hearing those words that something is happening on the inside of you. Because if you can understand that in the midst of your struggles, in the midst of your addictions, in the midst of all your downfalls, you can at least speak faith, there's still hope. Come on, I'm preaching to someone. There's still hope tonight. There's hope for you. Turn your neighbor say, there's still hope. Tell, tell them, say, there's still hope. Minister to somebody. Tell them, there is still hope. Please be seated. Almost up. Sometimes you got to chisel yourself. Break yourself. Look at yourself in the mirror and say, for once, I am. Sin has uglified me. Sin has uglified. I, my true beauty is not coming out. What God has created me to be is being suppressed by the sinful nature, the sinful man. There needs to be a breaking. You thought that that would be enough. It wasn't enough. I was still doing fellowship. It was one time we were doing fellowship and it was the last, I think it was the last, honestly, I couldn't tell you why I did the fellowship. I just had a heart for people. I couldn't tell you why I did it. Some of the guys were there, Tian and Saf and all these guys that are here, Toro and some of Sam and all these guys. They were there, and I couldn't tell you why I did a fellowship, but I knew that I just had a heart for people, and I had a heart for God. And so one um, end of the year, I, th I threw a pizza party for them. It's a pizza party. Yeah. And we enjoyed ourselves. And then somebody approached me. Some of you guys were there. Do some of you guys remember? Someone approached me, and they said, I've been waiting all semester to tell you this. How can you preach to me while you're handing me out tickets to the party right after you finish preaching to me? I would preach to them, and the moment I finish preaching to them, I, it's like announcements at the end of the service. The benediction would be, don't forget to pick up your tickets to the party on Friday. Oh, y'all think I'm playing. It was, God can save you. He can break you. And listen, I stuck away from all the subjects that I knew I was suffering with, but yet still God would somehow push me into them. Like as if it was a whirlwind, like you couldn't, you had to preach about holiness, but you knew you weren't living holy, but God would just lead you there because of a word spoken. 
because the words hang. And very soon, the words that are spoken over your life, your life begins to mold into what has been spoken over you. There could be a word on you, and you don't know why you're going through some things. It's because the word that's spoken on your head, you're now beginning to mold into it. Whether you like it or not, there have been some prayers that have been prayed before you were born that would say that you would do this, 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 and not do that or that or that. It doesn't matter how far you grow, there is a yo-yo that pulls you in. It was my process of the yo-yo pulling me back in. I'm teaching you the struggle of answering the call so that many can be touched by the word of God. came to me he said how could you preach and hand out tickets to a party I said my friend come here don't embarrass me in front of my fellowship so let's go outside some of y'all were there you remember it was how do you remember it was so many years ago I went outside I sat face to face with the man the man told me he said how can you preaching and I listen he's like I know God I've gone to church and I choose to live this life and I stay in this life but if you and I know the power of God he was preaching to me this man was preaching to me he said I know the power of God is real I've grown up in the church I sang in the choir I know it's real and I choose to do bad but you you know it's real you're there but yet you're still doing bad there was a problem he said it's guys like you that I don't go to church Sometimes, like I said, you need some fingers to be pointed at you. Sometimes you need someone to point the finger at you so that you can see that there's something wrong with me. Have you ever seen those mirrors that say that subjects may appear further or subjects may appear different when you get closer to them? Sometimes we put those mirrors in front of ourselves and we alter it so that our mirror can reflect how we want it to look. So yes, we are encountering ourselves, but yet you're still not being formed into what God wants you to form until somebody points at you and says, this needs to change. I looked at myself and I said, this is it. Something needs to happen. This is not who I was created to be. And you know when you're struggling with something, you know that, listen, this is not who I was created to be. I got to the breaking point. I said, this is it. My cup is full. said listen there will be a change there will be a change pick up our story tonight I'm going to read the scripture one scripture I'm reading Acts 9 verses 1 Meanwhile, Saul was uttering threats with every breath. He was eager to destroy the Lord's followers. So he went to the high priest and he requested letters addressed to the synagogues in Damascus asking uh, their cooperation in the arrest of any followers the way he found there. He wanted to bring them, both men and women, back to Jerusalem. If you didn't know this, Saul in the Bible was a murderer. This man was a man who killed believers, who killed people, who loved Jesus. He was a man who was going against everything that God had intended. He was a man who had a covenant upon his life, a man who had a word upon his life, uh, but yet still couldn't live out to make that promise a reality. And so he asked for their 
to be letters addressed means that he was a bona fide killer. He had the authority to kill people. He had the authorization to kill people. It goes on, verses 3. As he was approaching Damascus on this mission, a light from heaven suddenly shone down around him. That's what I'm talking about right now. As I sat outside the Rescom building after a fellowship, the light from heaven just shone down on me. God said, is enough, is enough. He said, this thing is now or never. Now, I want to talk about that process. Uh, it says, suddenly, a light shone down around him. Verses 4, go on to say this. I want to say something. He fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. And the voice replied, I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting. Go to verses 6 and then stop right there. I want to talk about this process real quick. In the process of God forming you into what he wants you to form, what he wants you to be, there will be a process just like mine where God will look down and say, enough is enough, but yet still you have the choice to either respond or not to respond. Do you get what I'm saying? You have the choice to either say yes to God or to say no to God. In that process, when that guy looked at cross, across from me, I said yes to God, but the moment he left and I went home, why was I still struggling? The next day, why was I still battling? The next day, why was I still battling? It's because God was trying to tell me that, listen, enough is enough, but yet still you have to make choices to then see something happen in your life. Once you make a choice and a decision, you begin to see change in your life from one phase to another phase to another phase. So I struggled with that, and that whole summer, I couldn't rest. I had. I went to no parties. I went to. No, I think I went to like one club. I couldn't. I couldn't. I just couldn't bear because I knew that God was calling me. I knew that there was something upon my life. But yet, still, there hadn't been what I call a suddenly moment. Had not yet been a suddenly moment. The light had shone, but yet still, my life had not yet changed. Go to verses seven of the scripture. It says this. Verses seven. The men with Saul stood speechless, for they heard the sound of someone's voice, but they saw no one. Go on. So he picked himself up off the ground. When he opened his eyes, he was blind. So his companions led him by the hand to Damascus. Verses 9. He remained there blind for three days and did not eat nor drink. Verses 10. Now there was a believer in Damascus named Ananias. The Lord spoke to him in a vision, calling and saying, Ananias, yes, Lord, he replied. Verses 11. The Lord said, go over to the straight street to the house of Judas. When you get there, ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul. He is praying to me right now. Verses 12. I have shown him a vision of a man named Ananias coming in and laying hands on him so he can see. So that was the process that I was in as a man, whereby I was hearing things from God, but yet still I couldn't make the decision to follow him completely. I was praying to God, but yet still I had labels and tags upon my name as somebody who wasn't a serious guy. Somebody who was a party guy. Somebody who lived a double life. I remember concerts, Christian concerts would be closing doors to me because they were seeing me and they were hearing that things were happening. And I'd receive calls from people that, listen, Kofi, you got to stop because people are closing doors for you to come and minister and play music there because of so-and-so and so-and-so. And you need to stop, but yet still I couldn't stop because as much as I wanted to stop, I couldn't. Verses 12, 13. But Lord exclaimed, go on, go to verses 14. And he was authorized by the leading, go to verses 15. But the Lord said, go for Saul is my chosen instrument. Someone say, I'm God's chosen. Say it again, say, I'm God's chosen. And it says, he's the chosen one to take the message to the, to the Gentiles. Go on to verses 16. 
and I will show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake. Verses 17. So Ananias went and found Saul. He laid his hands on him and said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who who appeared to you on the road has sent me that you might regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Verses 18. Instantly, some versions say suddenly, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he regained his sight. Then he got up and was baptized. Can you shout suddenly? Shout it like you believe it. Say suddenly. Suddenly announces your exit and your entrance at the same time. You didn't hear me. Let me repeat it. When you say suddenly, it means where you were and where you're going at the same time. It addresses your past and your future. Suddenly, suddenly what? Suddenly he wasn't what God, he wasn't what people said, and now he is what God said at the same time. Suddenly, someone shouted, say suddenly. suddenly. All of a sudden, the man that was a murderer, all of a sudden, the man that was in the clubs is now with the mic. On July 20th, 2014, this exact date, Bishop Lai came from Kenya and laid hands on me. And I had a Saul to Paul experience. Suddenly, I was getting visions, 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 visions. I couldn't sleep. I told everybody there's something that God wants to do. I just something that God wants to do. This this thing on campus that we're doing is not a fellowship. It's a church. It's a movement. It's a revival. God is inputting something in me. But I didn't know it wasn't that he was inputting something within me. It's that the scales fell off my eyes that what was on me was now coming out of me. All you need is a suddenly moment. The Bible says that David was in the fields, but then all of a sudden he came from the fields to the palace. But let me tell you this, as he was in the palace, the skills he learned in the fields came to practice. God won't bring you to the palace unless you can master some things in the fields. I was in the fields shooting my shot and missing them in the fellowship. I was in the fields handing out flyers to parties, but I didn't know like my papa said that I thought I was promoting parties, but God was promoting me. Are you jealous? Come on, clap onto Jesus. I don't preach like this all the time. Next week, I'll only preach word. I won't talk about myself. I was driving in my car after a service. Please be seated. And just like Saul heard the voice of God saying, Saul, Saul, I heard the voice of God saying, Kofi, Kofi. Just as he said, I'm sending you to go and preach the gospel to the Gentiles. God spoke to me and said, I'm sending you to go deliver your campus. And Saul looked and Saul would say, how could you use me? I'm a murderer. And I said, God, how could you use me? I'm a party guy. How could you use me? How could you use me? I'm messed up, I'm jacked up, I'm, I'm, I'm this, I'm on that, I'm, I'm living this hypocritical life, I'm, 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 the, I'm, the, I'm, the, I'm the definition of hypocrisy, God, I'm, I'm not living this life the way I should be, I'm not being the man I'm supposed to be, God, I'm struggling, I need to do your will, but yet still something is pulling me to another place, God, what am I supposed to do? And God said, just like he said to Saul, he told Saul, 
told Ananias that to tell Saul that God has chosen you to be his instrument. It's the same way that God spoke to me. He said, God, God said, but I put all that aside and I choose you to be a beacon of light from your campus and from there I will beam you to the nations. And that will be the place of your platform. The same place you fell will be the same place that you rise to speak life over dead bones. All it takes this summer is a suddenly moment. I took all this time to share with you my story of what happened when the light from heaven shone on me, the struggles that I faced, but yet still the suddenly moment that God would change my life in a summer night like tonight. I'm driving on baseline in Maryville, and God would speak to my right ear and say, I'm sending you forth. This same night, God can speak to you to start a business. This same night, God can speak to you to go do something you never thought you had the ability to do so. This evening, God can speak to you to go back to do your masters. This evening, God can speak to you to go and start a connect group. This evening, God can speak to you to give your life to the ministry. I was there. And I struggled with this decision, but I knew that if God had called me to it, he was going to keep me through. July 20, 2014. Time like today like tonight, summer night like tonight, I made one decision and changed everything. Suddenly, I was taken from the one that people looked down on to the one that people would look to follow. One suddenly changed everything. Tonight, I don't know what your suddenly moment has to be. But I'm here to prophesy there to be a suddenly in your life. I don't know what needs to switch, but there will be a suddenly. That all of a sudden, people who look down on you will look up at you. That all of a sudden, what you were and where you're going will be announced at the same time. That people would say, wasn't it that person that used to, but God stepped in. I don't know what you're going through. For you, maybe it may be a financial baggage, a struggle that you're holding, something that is too heavy, a load that is too heavy for you. There's about to be a sudden. God is about to lift off that load. And not only did Saul get that vision, but Saul's name changed to Paul. Someone's name is changing in this atmosphere right now. What they used to call you, they will call you that no more. They used to call you a beggar. Now they will look to you for money. They used to call you the one, that the bad one of the family. Now they will look to you as the savior of the family, the Joseph of the family. They used to look at you to say you would never succeed. But now God is bringing to a place where you will succeed. People used to look at you and say that you are the one that will always be the but God is now stepping in and your depression is now turning to joy I don't know who I came here for tonight I don't know who this word is for tonight but I'm preaching my heart out to tell somebody there will be a sudden change in your life if God can take me from a nobody and make me a somebody that God is still in the process of breaking he can do it for you if he changed my life through TLC, he can change your life through whatever you want him to change it. I'm sharing with you 
my heart. I'm putting my heart on the stage right now. I'm saying, like, look at my heart. Look at the mistakes I've made. I went to the Arnold. I went to the bottom of the pit to look at myself just to find out that the beginning is sweet, but the end is bitter. When you think you like now, once you get there, it will uglify you. You will look at yourself in the mirror and say, this is not who God has created me to be. Listen, you are more. You're created for more. There just needs to be a suddenly moment. And that suddenly moment, I hear it in the realm of the spirit. It is now. Oh my God. Nobody believes this in the room. I wish I had a church. I hope this is the message for the moment, Holy Ghost. All you need is a suddenly moment. Let me tell you how you can activate and propel. You can propel a suddenly moment. One thing, cast your burdens. When you cast your burdens, you tell God, I'm ready for a suddenly moment because I'm tired of carrying my load. And I want to put my load upon you. Answer now. Answer now. I want to cast my burdens. I don't know whatever burden you came here with. Saul's burden may be that, God, I'm a murderer. Your burden may be, God, I'm addicted. I'm an addict. I'm addicted to alcohol. I'm addicted. I'm just addicted to sex. God, I, I don't know what it is. God, help me. I need a suddenly moment. I don't know. I don't know. I haven't preached like this in years. But I know this is for somebody. I used to preach like this when I first started. But I know this is for somebody. God needs to change someone's life tonight. If this was for one person in this room, it is worth it. For one person that's saying, God, I came here with baggage. I need to put it on you because I need to propel a suddenly moment in my life. The things that people used to call me, I don't want it to be said of me no more. You see, when the woman with the issue of blood came to Jesus, she didn't just come holding and tapping the helm of the garment. She came carrying her burden to say, God, I place my burdens upon you. Then the Bible says, suddenly, her problem stopped. Jesus stopped because you cast in your burden. It activates a suddenly. Paul and Silas, they were in prison and they were praising God. And as they were praising God, then what happened? Suddenly. What do you think praises is doing? It's saying, God, I am nothing. You are everything. We cast our burdens, our human burdens onto your divinity. We cast it onto you. So as you are praising God, as you are casting your burdens through prayer, as you're casting your burdens through seeding, what's happening is God is saying, I hear that there was a suddenly miracle that I need to do for somebody. I feel that there was a sudden miracle that needs to be there for somebody. Now, I don't know what your problem is tonight. I don't know what you came here with tonight, but I'm going to give you about 30 seconds to pray. And then we're going to be out of here tonight. I don't know what you came here with. I don't know what you need to change. Maybe it's that you are struggling in school and people call you somebody who's always struggling. God is about to change your story with a suddenly tonight. You're going to be shifted over to the one who's always excelling in school. Come on and lift your voice for about 30 seconds and say, God, I cast my burdens onto you. I don't know what you're struggling with. I don't know what you need tonight. I don't know what you need from God tonight. But I wish I had a room of desperate, hungry souls who is saying, God, I am nothing. I need you to come forth in my situation right now come on and raise your voice right now the altars are open right now your altars are open right now you can come and pray at the altar right now I don't know if it's that you've lost your passion for God I don't know if it's that you don't know that you're called to the ministry God is giving you a suddenly moment tonight